Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, air of salvation. Born of the Spirit, washing His Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Make it personal. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, air of salvation, burn of his spirit. And washed in his blood. This is my story. This, this is, is my story. story. This is my song. I'm praising my Yeah. 
I'll plead with the church, just pray in the Holy Spirit at this point in time. Let's just pray in the Holy Spirit. Father, we need you, we need you, we need you. We thank you for your eternal presence. Ah, we do not take your presence for granted. We need you, O oh Lord. If we act like we don't, Father, have mercy. We need you at all times with every passing breath. We never want to be at the place where we feel we can do anything without you. Where we feel we can stand without you. Where we feel we can walk without you. Lord, we need you with every passing moment. That you alone will be the focus on our eyes. That you alone, oh Lord, would be seen in everything, in everything, in every situation. That the communication of our hearts would be your glory. That the communication, oh Lord, that we give, every interaction shall be your glory, shall be your name, shall be your word. That Jesus will be the source of it all. That Jesus will be the end of it all. That your word, oh Lord, will be magnified. That you will be seen as truth. Jesus, the King. Jesus, the Lord. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the mighty man of battle. Jesus, the one who owns all things. The beginning and the end. Our Alpha, our Omega, our strong tower, our righteousness, our glory. The lifter of our head. Mighty is your name. Holy is your word. Truthful, O Lord, are you. At all times, when you decree a thing, it is established. For you sent forth your word, and it accomplished its purpose. Oh, blessed be your name, for you are worthy to be praised. And the name of the Lord is that strong tower for the church. It is that strong tower for the church. And so we bless you, King of Kings. Mighty God, we magnify your name. Thank you for this opportunity, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have praised. Amen. 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 If you know you spent some good time in worship, just give God all the glory and magnify his name. We bless the name of the Lord. We bless the Lord. I um, humbly want to acknowledge everyone here. I acknowledge our pastor. I acknowledge our elders. I acknowledge our fathers, our mothers, and turn to your neighbor and say, you are blessed. Turn to your neighbors and say, you are blessed. The name of the Lord truly is your strong tower. The name of the Lord, you have to tell them, prophesy into their lives. If the person by your left or by your right is not speaking to you, turn to your other neighbor and begin to decree upon them. Ah, that the glory of God is upon your life. That the strength of the Lord is upon your life. That the light and the life of God is upon your life. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. In this church, in the church of the living God, the Lord, our Savior's glory is shining on your face. The glory of the Lord, his might and his power, his effectiveness is overwhelming you with joy. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is all about him. And because we know that we are here in his presence, the energy of the Lord is motivating the glory of God to shine forth from you. 
in everything and in every circumstance. The Lord's name shall be praised. It is not because of what you do. It is because of who he is. He is faithful to himself. The Bible says he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. He said even if we are faithless, the Lord will remain faithful. That is who he is. Ah, Jesus is Lord. Someone shout, Jesus is Lord. Our face must ever be before him. You see, when your face starts to deviate from Christ, you are already on shaking ground. When Christ is no longer the center, you are already on shaky ground. But when you know that it is Christ that has saved you, that has brought you out of the pit, and has put you on solid ground, you just keep rejoicing, you keep shouting, you keep jumping for joy. The Lord has done it. The Lord has done it. The Lord has done it. And he reigns forever. Your testimony is not about you. Your testimony is about Jesus. And that is why he ever remains faithful to the end. He didn't say, I will be with you if you always come to church. Hey, he didn't say, I will be with you when you go to church. No, he said, I will always be with you until the end of the age. He said, you will never be an orphan. You know what an orphan is? It's a very difficult situation to be. When you feel you don't have anyone taking care of you. When you feel you have no help. When you feel you have no source. When you feel you cannot go home and say, there is someone to call mommy. Someone to call daddy. But you and I have the privilege to say, Abba Father. He said, we do not have the spirit of fear again but we have the spirit of his death on by which we cry out Abba Father if you know you have a father if you know you have a father shout hallelujah oh Lord Jesus have mercy on me Amen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would have its way. Nobody here has come to see a man. Nobody here has come to hear anything that a man can give. We are all here for what you alone can give. What you alone can do. So, Father, we are asking in the name of Jesus that you put aside that our focus from our deficiencies, that we see your ability, that we see your face, that we hear your word, we hear your voice. He said, my sheep, hear my voice. He said, the voice of a stranger, they will never follow. Father, we thank you for you have finally tuned our ears to hear your voice and your direction. Father, we bless your name for our feet always follow your direction. For your word has decreed as many as are led by the Spirit. These are called the sons of the living God. It is a great joy that we can stand here knowing that it is your victory that makes us to have boldness to say you are our father and that we are your sons. We thank you, Father, and we bless your name. In Jesus' mighty name we prayed. And the people of God shouted, Amen. Amen. I sincerely, truly honor each and every especially our pastor here. I honor you, sir. I honor the leadership. And I know I've said it before. I honor you all. The thing is, when you are truly in the house of God, Amongst brothers, amongst sisters, 
It's a thing of joy. Knowing that the precious blood has saved each and every one of us equally. Before him, we are all special. Before his eyes. Because that same precious blood saved you, saved me. And no one here has special access. But we are limited by our belief. We are limited by taking him at his word. When we truly submit everything before him and recognize that we have nothing except him as our true possession, then everything begins to fall into line because he becomes the center of it all. The center of it all. Someone just raise up your hand and make that proclamation that Jesus is the center of my life. Amen. I'll try to make this as brief as possible because I haven't even started uh, the message and I don't have much time. So wherever the time ends, I stop. Amen. The topic today is our response to worship. Our response to worship. Firstly, I'd like to ask, what is praise? And we've had our pastor, we've had um, Elder Atto, we've had people define to us what praise is. And I'm just going to give a brief summary so that we can move on. See, praise just comes from a heart of gratitude. And it reflects the character of the person that is praised. Or what has been accomplished by the person that is praised. It reflects the character of the person that is praised. Or what has been accomplished by the person that is praised. Now, because the topic is saying our response. So in other words, the topic is trying to say praise should be our response to worship. It should be our response to worship. So, what is worship? Now, there's a principle in, in, in Bible study where you try to look for the first time something is mentioned. It's called the law of first mention. And the first time we hear the word worship mentioned was in Genesis chapter 22 verse 3. Now, this was where Abraham was being told to take Isaac, his one and only begotten son, and he should go and sacrifice him on the mountain of Moriah. But then, what happens? When he's with his, his servants, he tells them, I and the young land are going up to do what? To worship. They weren't carrying instruments. They were not carrying singers. But what they had with them was a knife, and they had the things for sacrifice. They had a rope that they were used to tie the lamb. In this case, the person who was seen as the lamb was even carrying his instruments of death. Very similar to Christ, right? What happened in Christ? He was carrying his own cross. He was going to be killed by that which he was carrying. Isaac was going to be killed by that which he was carrying. You see something? When God was telling Abraham to do this, God recognized that he was going to be a type for that which was to come in the future. So Isaac was doing what he was instructed to do by Abraham. And because they both were being obedient to God, that very act was what Abraham was defining as worship. So if you want to come to the definition, worship is actually aligning yourself with God's plan. So when God tells you to do something, just because God said it, it might not make sense. Imagine Abraham going to tell Sarah, um, darling, you know I love you. 
and they have taught us in church that I shouldn't hide anything from you. You know the God that told me to leave our uh, all of the childings. He came to meet me in the middle of the night. He told me to sacrifice something. And that thing is that boy we have been with. She said, Tofiakwa. <laughs> Which boy? <laughs> this one. <laughs> Go and dream again. <laughs> Go and get confirmation. <laughs> You know, we do that a lot in the prophetic circles. We say, go and get your confirmation. Have you confirmed? Have you gone to meet the prophet? Have you told the prophet? Did he really say that it was God that said it? But look at Abraham. He did not turn to his left, neither to his right. He picked up his bag. And look at the young man to Isaac. It's been said that Isaac must have been around 33 years old. That he wasn't, he wasn't a small boy that he could have resisted if he wanted to. But he was obedient. Imagine an old man telling you to lie down. He ties your hands and you don't fight back. We talk so much about Abraham, but can you imagine what Isaac is doing? You recognize that the both of them were in an act of worship because the both of them were in obedience. If Isaac wanted to fight, he could have fought back. But he was silent. He was silent. So it is when we align ourselves with the direction of God. When God decrees a thing and we say, it might not make sense to me. It might not make sense to my understanding. It might not make sense to my peers. It might not make sense to my teachers. But because God has said it, I will do it. That is worship. But you see here in Genesis chapter 22, if we look at verses 13 and 14, Genesis 22, verses 13 and 14, and we would like to read that together, please. Genesis chapter 22, verses 13, he says, Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him, a ram caught in the ticket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. We see here that God gives him, a, a, give him, gives him something in place of his son. In place of his son. He says, Abraham called the, place, called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Yad he wad he yire. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide as it is said to this day. So in other words, when the Lord gave him something as a place to take the place of his son, a revelation came upon Abraham. And then he says, this place, because of the revelation I've had of God, I am going to call this place Jehovah Jireh. And then the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, became a revelation to Abraham. Why? Because it was in the place of worship. He had an experience that gave him a revelation of the name of God. So worship 
always leads to the place where revelation occurs. And it is from that revelation we are able to praise the Lord. Why? Because revelation always leads to praise. Revelation empowers us to see God for who he is. He knew God as the one who had called him out of all of the childings. And when he met with Melchizedek, Melchizedek told him that this person that you are seeing, this person that has been talking to you, he is the possessor of heaven and earth. And then that's when he realized. But he had not yet given him a revelation of the name of what he, what he had experienced. But when he had that experience in that place, he gave that name Jehovah Jireh. Worship always leads to an experience. And that experience gives you a revelation into who God is. Now, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. You see here, in John chapter 24, John chapter 4, sorry, from verses 23 to 24, that Jesus was giving her the definition of what true worship is. And Jesus said in verse 23, he says, But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That verse 24 is telling you, God is spirit. You don't need to be in a location to worship God. You don't need specific items to worship God. So if people tell you that you have to get a holy handkerchief, hey. if people tell you that you have to stand in a specific place, if people tell you that you have to go to a mountain, that it is when you go to that mountain, you will feel the presence of God. Hey, if people tell you, uh, you guys in your church, they are not feeling the presence of God. Come to our church, you will feel it. Yafu, yafu. It's a lie. You come into alignment with God. And then, if you look at that, he says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And that is true worship. True worship, real worship, is worship in the spirit. Worship in the nature of God. Worship in God. He says, God is spirit. So you have to worship in spirit, which is God. It is only when you are in God you are giving true worship. It is only when you are in Christ you are giving true worship. Giving real worship. Look at it. God is spirit. So you have to be in spirit to give him true worship. So he's saying it is when you are in God you give true worship. So worship is not a moment in time. It is not 15 minutes on the schedule. It is every moment. Right now we are worshiping the Lord. When you are sleeping, you are worshiping the Lord. It is when you are in God. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you are doing. True worship is when you are in Christ. It's not when you enter the building. You are in your car, you are worshipping. 
You are watching a movie. You are worshiping. Yes, I, I, I will say movie because I know we all watch movies here. Don't, don't act spiritual. You watch a movie. Some of us watch African Magic. Some of us watch which which one which one is the which one which one is the <laughs> okay Nollywood Gollywood uh, which which other one Bollywood Hollywood all, Gollywood all the woods while you are watching those things you are worshiping and you see something you might not know it but you always worship something. You are always worshipping something. Whatever you are in, that is what you are worshipping. Whatever your true focus is, that is what you are worshipping. Don't let anyone deceive you. Whatever you are sowing into is what you will reap from. But if you are in God, you are worshipping him. But it's all about revelation. Revelation. When we come into God's alignment, into God's plan, when we focus on who God is, and we begin to see him, he begins to show you who he is. That is why the patriarchs of old would see him and say, ah, the Lord our righteousness. It's been said that the word Jehovah, Yahweh, is that, that word means the becoming one. When, 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 when he revealed himself to Moses, and he said that I am that I am, that Yahweh, that Yad He, Wad He, nobody knows what the true sound is. Some people call it Jehovah, some people call it Yahweh. But whatever the case, that word reflects to us the becoming one. In other words, I will be to you what you need me to be. I am not restricted by a definition. That's why the, the only way they could define it was I am that I am. So Abraham sees him. He says, he has become my provider. Some will see him and say, he has become our salvation. That's why Jesus, when he came, when he came, when he came, he came as the one who will bring all men unto life. And so his name was, I have now become your salvation. Jehovah, Jesua, Jeshua, Jeshua. The Lord has become our salvation. So he will be to you what he has revealed to you. If you do not see it, if it's not revealed to you, it will be hard for you to reflect it. That is why for all of us here, as long as we are born again, he is our salvation. He is Jesus to us because he has brought us into the place of life. That revelation has been made true to us because we believe in him. Ah, Jesus is Lord. So, revelation is very, very key. Revelation is very, very key. There are two okay. There are two types of knowledge. Two types of knowledge. Two types. You have revelation knowledge and you have sense knowledge. Revelation knowledge and you have sense knowledge. One fuels faith and is fueled by faith. And that is revelation knowledge. That is why Romans chapter 10 verse 17, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 will say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, 
The hearing of the word fuels faith. And the hearing of the word is the revelation that comes from God. So revelation knowledge fuels faith. It propels our faith. It strengthens our faith. Now, there is another type of knowledge, which is sense knowledge. Sense knowledge. And sense knowledge is evidence, is, is fueled by observation. In other words, if I see it, I can touch it. Then that is when I will believe. If I can see it, if I can touch it, then that is when I will believe. That is why Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 39, and Matthew chapter 16 from verses 1 to 4, Jesus said this. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation always looks for an evidence, always looks for a sign. So when you find yourself saying, ah, I just heard, though, there is a new thing in town. There is a man of God. Very powerful. If you see the signs, if you see, and then we become swayed by things, by signs. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in signs. I believe that the church of God is supposed to evidence signs. Remember, the word of God says that these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands on the sick. They said they shall speak in new tongues. They shall pick up serpents and it shall not hurt them. He said they shall drink poisonous things and it shall not hurt them. You see something? That many of us here, if you were to know the amount of things, the amount of plans that has been laid before you, if the Lord were to open your eyes, you'd be surprised at how many of these signs are actually effective in your life. If God were to open your eyes. So we don't chase those things. But Jesus says, a wicked and adulterous generation would look for those things. And we, 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 see, we, we, we see something similar. <laughs> Thomas was saying something similar. Says knowledge. Thomas if I, even if he comes, I must look at the marks in his hand and put my finger inside. <laughs> I must, and you see something, that is the reason why scientists, it's very hard for scientists to submit themselves to the word of God. Why? Because even when you're writing a thesis, they will tell you to get your data. In other words, it must be observed. There must be evidence for whatever you're proposing. But they don't give us the observation for man coming from ape to baboon to human being. The evolution. It takes faith to believe that, but they don't talk about that. But scientists will say you have to observe. But God says, I created all things. It takes faith to believe that revelation that God created all things. Though you were not there to observe it, he said it. We believe it. That is revelation knowledge. When Jesus says that you are a new creature, but you look like the person by your right, there seems to be no difference. But he said it, you believe it. Uh, can you imagine those guys, they are speaking in tongues. They cannot tell you what they are saying. It doesn't make sense. You hear it, but these guys are saying it's gibberish. But he has said that he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries. 
and he speaks directly unto God. That is revelation knowledge. But it is hard for an outsider to, to comprehend. It's hard. But because God said it, we believe it. And I'll end here. You see, we are all here because of God's revelation. When he came, he revealed himself to us as the one who brings forth salvation. And that is why we all can come and praise him. We praise him out of that knowledge. Out of that revelation of who he is. Now, if you are here today and you have not given your life to Christ, this is a special moment. This time is an opportunity for you to receive that seed into your heart that it might bring forth fruit. See, Jesus loves you. He desires that you might walk in his righteousness. But the responsibility here is now left to you to receive that love. To receive that love. And if you are here, you've been born again for years, but you find out that you don't, you haven't been growing in revelation knowledge. That the only place you have stopped at is seeing God as salvation. You no longer see God or you haven't experienced God as an ever-present help. You are not you have not experienced God as the one who is always with you at all times. Now is the time for you to surrender and say, Lord, I'm yielding before you. I'm surrendering to the totality of who you are. I no longer just want to be at one place. I want to keep seeing that revelation of who you are. I need you. I need you. See, when we say that we need God, we are not saying that we don't have him. No. We are saying we need him because we want him to recognize that we don't take his presence for granted. We are saying we need him because even though we know we have him, we want him to recognize that there is still that need. We don't want to do anything that we do without him. I need you. Someone say that, I need you. I need you, Lord.